You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today, Boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to get through. The Pacers play the Orlando Magic at home. Pacers never lose to the Magic. Every game they play with the Magic, no matter what happens, the Pacers end up winning. Oh, wait, they lose this one at home to the team with the worst record in the NBA in the Orlando Magic. What happened? What went wrong for the Pacers? They had no centers in this game. That was a huge hurdle for them. going to talk about the game, having no centers. Isaiah Jackson getting hurt. Lots to get to from that. Chris Duarte named to the NBA's Rising Stars team yesterday. Got to cover that, what it means for Duarte, how cool it is, the opportunity he has, his ranking in the Pacers history books as a rookie as of now. And then I want to talk about O'Shea Brissett at the end of the show because I think his kind of role in the Pacers rebuild has been forgotten. And I know some people might be here for this, so I got to bring it up now. Uh, Shams Trania did report that the Pacers are planning to re-sign Lance Stevenson on a contract for the rest of the season. Yes, that will merit a full segment Breakdown for me, what it means for Lance, what it means for the Pacers, what it means for the Cap, what it means for other Pacers players. Expect that tomorrow. The reason I'm putting it off is I don't have details about the deal just yet because it happened kind of late at night or was announced kind of late at night. What it is, what kind of structure it is, how the Pacers are handling it, if they're going to do a hardship before doing it, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to hold off for one day before that. I promise that will come out tomorrow. And all you Lance fans can be happy that that breakdown happens. That was a big deal. And Lance played pretty well in this game against the Magic, which is not the story of the game. The Pacers lose to the Magic. Speaking of it, let's just start and dive right into the action that we just saw at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Very strange game. Indy going through, Indiana in general, going through quite the inclement weather right now. Uh, Not quite a blizzard. That seems extreme to say, but a lot of snow. Some neighboring states I saw news calling it a potential blizzard. So a small crowd for this Pacers Magic game, which was funny. There were some moments where, you know, the the crew of hype of injured players, which is like half the team right now, uh, but really, you know, the the big ones were Miles and TJ McConnell were hyping up the crowd the whole time because it was pretty quiet in the gym. It was O'Shea was a part of that crew as well. It was pretty funny game. The vibes were fun. The Pacers were up a bunch for a lot of the game. They were up double digits in the third quarter. Things are great. They're playing the lowly Magic up 17 in the third quarter, and they lost. The Pacers lose to Orlando with a final score of 119 to 118. Horrible second half for the Pacers, where they give up 66 points to Orlando, who is not a good team. So what went wrong for the Pacers in this game? Well, the short summary is they had no centers, right? Isaiah Jackson just had a miraculously awesome game in his first start on Monday. Talked about how he needed more minutes on Monday's show. Talked about his great game on Tuesday's show. And then he comes out Wednesday. He starts. He plays 22 seconds on the very first possession. Lands on Wendell Carter's foot. Rolls his ankle. Out for the rest of the game with that ankle sprain. Terrible luck for the Pacers. Sabonis is in health and safety protocols. Miles Turner has an injured foot. Gogo Batadze has an injured foot. There's three centers all out. So Isaiah was going to play a bunch of minutes if he played. And he missed the rest of the game after the first 22 seconds. Now, normally... O'Shea Brissett has been the nominal emergency center for this team. He's also out with an ankle injury. So the Pacers' top four centers plus the emergency center are all out after 22 seconds of this game. So in comes two-way guy, Terry Taylor, 
who played a really well in their last game as the backup center behind Isaiah. He played very well in this game, too, to his credit. 24 points, 16 rebounds, 6 offensive rebounds. But his height is very limiting at six foot five, He can only do so much at center. You know, the Magic bringing Robin Lopez into their rotation in this game, who hasn't played for them in forever, and he has 6 points and 3 rebounds in 5 minutes and helps the Magic come back in the second half because that's, you know, Terry Taylor couldn't hang with the height that Orlando had. Mo Bamba in there, Franz Wagner in there, Wendell Carter in there. It was really tough for the Pacers to to compete with that height with, with Terry in there. So he did well to hold his own. His stats were very impressive. He had six fouls. He couldn't really get involved as much. The pick-and-roll game was weaker for the Pacers without centers. So that's why they lost. I mean, that is the crux of why they lost this game is they didn't have the big men required to slow down Orlando. They had 60 points in the paint, the Magic did. Not a good rim-attacking team. They just could get in there easily. 29 assists for Orlando, same deal. They could drive super easily. Even if the Pacers were switching more, there was no resistance at the rim, so they could see the court better on those drives to do some passing, and that let Orlando pick up their three-point shooting late. Gary Harris ends up hitting – Indy native Gary Harris ends up hitting six threes, including two huge ones for the Magic late in this game to give them the lead and tie this one up, and Pacers just couldn't quite get it done at the end. So that the, that is the – the core reasons why they lost uh, is no centers. That that was very painful for the Pacers, very obviously. When Terry Taylor wasn't in at center, it was usually Torrey Craig, who played all right, actually. Torrey Craig hit five threes and had 22 points. They played an even draw with him out there for 37 minutes. I would not say he was the reason they lost or that his deficiencies were part of the problem in this game. It's just over the course of a whole game, he can't be your best pick-and-roll threat or your guy defending whoever is in at the big man spot for Orlando. So just a weird game for the Pacers, given who they had available. That was part of the reason they lost. More parts of the reason they lost in general, where they shot extremely poorly from two-point range. 30 makes on 66 two-point attempts for the Pacers. You can't shoot under 50% from two-point range. The Magic, meanwhile, were 31 for 60 on two-pointers. That's a little more normal. That's over 50% on twos. Pacers really struggled inside the arc at the rim on shots that they have been a little better at this season without any centers. Of course, their two-pointers are typically harder ones, but guys who sometimes have mid-range magic in this game struggled in general from the field. Karis LeVert, 10 for 24. That's too many shots. Even though LeVert was saving the Pacers for a little bit at the end of this game, he shot the ball too many times, quite frankly. Um, Jeremy Lamb won for five. Kiefer Sykes missed his only two-pointer. Dwayne Washington shoots two for seven. Right, Chris Duarte's three for 11. All the guys who could, in theory, make up ground inside the arc for the Pacers were not getting it done in this game. So just just they didn't have any answers, right? The, the starting five really held their own for the Pacers when they were in there. But in general, they just didn't have enough ammo without any bigs to run a capable pick-and-roll game or defend the paint very well. So even against the lowly Magic, even having the best player on both teams in Levert available, the Pacers were not able to, to cobble together enough to get it done in the bench for the Pacers was just not good in this game. You know, and this is kind of a consequence of having the injuries they have is that, you know, these guys, Dwayne Washington's been an awesome story at times this year. Jeremy Lance been playing better of late. Lance was good in this game. I'll get to him momentarily. But a lot of the bench players the Pacers are relying on are young guys or veterans who are just wildly inconsistent. And if they have a game like this where all of them have bad nights at the same time, you know, Jeremy Lamb only plays 15 minutes and is a minus 12, for example, it's going to be very hard for the Pacers starters, especially again with no center, to overcome that despite good play from some of them. Lance was the only thing keeping the Pacers in this at times. Uh, he finished with 14 points and six assists right before getting whatever his new contract will end up being. Again, we'll talk about that tomorrow. 
he's earned this deal. He he's their backup point guard right now with with so many players out. Uh, he he was keeping the minute. He was a plus seven. I'm surprised he didn't end up playing more. Honestly, uh, Duarte did not deserve as many minutes as he got. Although we will talk heaps of praise on Duarte in the next segment. So lots went wrong for the Pacers in this game. Isaiah gets hurt right away. They only end up with nine active players after that, and Kiefer Sykes just can't give him that much in general. He only plays nine minutes. So really eight mostly active players in this game. So high minutes for all the starters and Terry Taylor. It's an uphill battle, no matter who you're playing, even if the Magic are on a back-to-back and are a lowly team, given who was out and that they all typically play a somewhat similar position. Pacers just didn't have it. And another thing that made this game look a little worse for the Pacers, giving up a huge lead, they shot extremely well early in the game. They were 6-for-11 from deep after the first quarter. They finished 14-for-32, so they made 8 of their final 21, which isn't awful, but the hot shooting when it wears off, it makes it a lot easier for the team to get some momentum and come back. So despite Torrey Craig's big offensive night and Terry Taylor, who was the story of the game in terms of production and, and play and stepping into a huge role, 24 and 16 for a two A guy who has very little NBA experience. You know, th- this could have been a nice night for those guys to be the story of the game. But really to me, it just came down to the injuries and the Pacers not having enough from key positions to get it done, flush it, learn from it. But when you have literally no available centers and you're playing a six foot five guy at center for 37 minutes, I don't think you're going to win many basketball games at all. Still losing to the Magic. It's not something the Pacers want to be doing at this point in the season. For the fans of tanking at this stage, which there are many of, according to the comments on the YouTube videos and the replies to my tweets, they'll be happy that this game ended the way it did. Let's pivot away from this. Something I could have covered yesterday, but again, wanted to talk to the player himself and coaching staff for the Pacers. Chris Duarte is an NBA rising star, as I predicted on the All-Stars podcast with Shane Young a few weeks ago. Chris Duarte is headed to All-Star Weekend to represent the Pacers in the Rising Stars game. What's that mean? What's he doing? What? Why did he deserve this? Where is his ranking in the pantheon of Pacers rookies and on the Pacers team this year? Let's talk about that. But first, guys, let's talk about the good folks over at Bet Online who have you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before as football continues to march through the playoffs right up to the big game. Coming up in a few weeks, BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, news, and more this season. It's not just football. BetOnline has the -the up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. It's the best way to wager on all your favorite sports. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen every single day. For your second listen, why not go check out Locked On Magic here with Philip Rossman Reich has to say about Orlando as they grow into a team that is getting wins like this in their path forward. They have some fun and interesting young guys. Let's talk about Chris Duarte. Exciting news in Pacerland as he has been named to the NBA Rising Stars roster that used to be the rookie sophomore game, then that pivoted to the international versus USA rookie sophomore game. This year, again, it's changed. It's 12 rookies, 12 sophomores, and four guys from the G League Ignite. Basically, the 30 most interesting first or second year player, best best 30 first or second year players in the NBA to showcase their skills. They call it the Rising Stars game. It's sponsored by Clorox. You don't care about that. This year, the format's a little different. We'll talk about that in a second. It's not The format doesn't matter that much. You don't care about that. You're going to hear about Chris Duarte, who made it as the 13th pick 
in the draft. Great news for him. And it seemed pretty obvious that he would be a guy in this game. He's been one of the best, whatever you want to determine that rank to be rookies, right? He's in the top five in minutes played in this class, his draft class, despite being picked 13. Uh, excuse me, he is seventh now in minutes played in this draft class. Well, that has changed dramatically in the last couple of days. He is seventh in minutes played despite being picked 13th. He ranks fifth in points scored. Uh, he ranks ninth in rebounds and 11th in assists. He's one of the most impactful rookies in this class. And what makes him so special, and Rick Carlisle was talking about this for a rookie specifically, is you know the scoring stats are what they are. 13.2 points per game is, is good for a role player of any age, one who's a rookie and has very little NBA experience. That's a good stat line. Duarte can clearly score. He's got the ability to create his own shot. A lot of praise from him around the NBA. But what Carlisle has been impressed with, and me as well, is the defense, right? Rookies usually stink at defense, quite frankly. And Duarte definitely has some lapses off the ball and is still struggling with reading the game speed, as every rookie does. But for a rookie in general, they and Carlisle and the Pacers are not afraid to say, you are guarding, you know, as Carlisle alluded to before this game, that Pacers just played against the Magic. One matchup that impressed him from Duarte was against Trey Young when they played the Hawks early this season. He did a nice job in that one. If you'll recall earlier games this season, Carlisle and Co. put Duarte on like James Harden and Kevin Durant in the same game. He, uh, I think he was on Dame when they played uh, Portland earlier this season. I don't, why do I have that in my head? That was Edmund Sumner last year. Excuse me. Um, they put him on Levine when they played the Bulls earlier this season. Right? He's just had the tough matchups. When the time comes, sorry if you just heard the firework outside my apartment. So he, his defense has just been so impressive, and that's what Carlisle lauded and why he's been an impressive rookie beyond the stats. The offensive stats are what get guys into games like this and get them onto rookie lists and things like that. But the impressive defense is what separates Duarte from a lot of these guys. And if you look through the stats, you know he, Duarte, has been really valuable for the Pacers this season not just because he's a rookie, but just as a player in general. You go to the on-off numbers for the Pacers this season, they've been better on both ends with him in the game than out. With Chris Duarte on the floor this season, and this now includes their most recent game with Orlando, the Pacers have an even net rating when Duarte is on the floor. 108.8 offensive rating, 108.8 defensive rating. For a team that is 19-34, and Being a net even with a rookie on the floor is very impressive. He does play with the starters more than bench guys. Sure, there's some finickiness going on there that doesn't make it like the perfect representation of how he plays. When he's off the floor, the offensive rating goes down by 0.5 to 108.3. The defensive rating skyrockets to 112.8. They are minus 4.6 points per 100 possessions with Duarte off and a dead even with him on. He's valuable to the Pacers right now, and he's a rookie. This guy, Duarte, and we, we've known this. He's been on the team for months now. They've played over 50-something games. He's played in 45. Clearly is awesome. Clearly has a future with this team as a starter for a very long time. Who knows what his ceiling is? Who knows what his floor is? But the Rising Stars game is a nice start for him. He could even be in the game next year because second-year players also deserve to be in this. So he deserves it 100%. He's been awesome. He's been lauded by, as you all know, you know Kevin Durant calling him that old school shooting guard and liking him really the season. LeBron giving him a ton of respect after Duarte hit that incredible game tying shot against the Lakers in Gamebridge early the season. Same with Russell Westbrook giving him praise as well. One of my favorite people who heaped praise on him was Jason Kidd when they played the Mavs. Jason Kidd called him a high level player who's not afraid. He said he has a high IQ. He plays well. He starts understands the game right. And from Jason Kidd, a guy who has one of the best basketball IQs of any player ever. 
that rang that rang in my brain as something interesting that a coach like that puts high praise on him. And he even Jason Kidd said, you know, sometimes when you scout other teams, you don't gloss over rookies necessarily, but you know, they're a little easier to get the scout on because they're learning the game and stuff like that. Duarte, you have to actually, you know, really pay attention to because he can play. He's good. So well-deserved honor for Duarte. Uh, this seemed like an obvious thing. He's one of the best rookies in his current class by the impact numbers, by the offensive numbers, by the defensive metrics. He's just a very talented player, and he makes the Pacers a better team. And when I was doing research for the article about Duarte being in this Rising Stars game, which, speaking of the Rising Stars game, I'll get this out of the way before I talk about Pacers history of rookies. So on February 18th, it's, I think, the first actual like kind of serious event of All-Star Weekend. It's that Friday. It's like a little tournament. There'll be Duarte will be put on a team with other rookies and sophomores and Ignite guys. There'll be four teams, and then the, there's a first round, and they played a 50, and then there's a championship game. They played a 25 with those four rosters. It that, that total is 75 points for the 75th anniversary of the league. So uh, it doesn't matter how well he plays. It just matters that he is playing, right? It, he can show off himself in front of you know a national audience and be around the best of the best in the league at All-Star Weekend, and it's really cool for foreign players to be able to, you know, do that kind of thing. In terms of the Pacers pantheon, this is going to sound made up because this isn't even that high of a bar to clear, but this kind of shows how hard it is to kind of get known or, or, or put up points as a rookie. Chris Duarte, as is, would become the sixth rookie in Pacers history if he if his current scoring average holds for the rest of the season. He had 11 against Orlando, so this will not cause his average to fall below 13. If his, his current average holds, he'll become the sixth rookie in Pacers history to average over 13 points per game in their rookie season. Only six for a team that's been in the in the NBA for almost 50 se- over 50 seasons now is crazy. The other five are Vern Fleming, Wayman Tisdale, James Edwards, Chuck Person, and Clark Kellogg. For those of you on YouTube, you can see the Chuck Person bobblehead over my shoulder. The reason I say the name specifically is because if you couldn't tell, Person was a rookie in 1987. That was his first season in the league. This, and I, I choose him because he's the most recent Pacers rookie to average over 13 per game in their rookie season. Duarte could be the Pacers' first rookie to average over 13 a game in almost 30 years. And 13, again, is not a high bar, but think about what that means. This, this is one of their best scores in a long time as a rookie, and some of that's just that he's been given the opportunity, but he's earned that opportunity by being talented. You know, Turner was 10.3 points per game his rookie year. Reggie was a 10 points per game guy his rookie year. Jamal Tinsley, who was a beastly rookie, was 9.4 points per game his rookie year. Paul George was 7.8. Danny Granger was 7.5. And yes, those guys got some less opportunity than Duarte has gotten this year, but I just... These are reference points to show you how well Duarte has has held up as it just just in the scoring department. That doesn't even account for the defense and other things that he could grow into as an NBA player. So I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know what his floor is. He's a unique situation guy with, as Carlisle described, you know, 24 is definitely older for a rookie. But as Carlisle described, he doesn't have a lot of basketball miles on him. He started playing later than a lot of guys who are in the NBA. So who knows what his ceiling is? Who knows what his growth will look like? But being named a well-deserved rising star in the NBA. He deserved it. He's very psyched about it, as he d- talked about after the game. You can read my piece on Forbes about him being included in the game if you want to read more about the comments I shared here and the game itself. Well-deserved for Chris Duarte and perhaps many more accolades to come for him this season with all rookie teams potentially within reach for him as he continues his ascent 
through the NBA. And speaking of young players, let's talk about a guy younger than Chris Duarte, who I think gets glossed over a lot in Pacers rebuild talks. And that is one O'Shea Brissett. I was hoping he played in this game, so that would be a much easier segue. But I wanted to do this segment for a little bit now, and I'll just do it today because I think without O'Shea, you saw what the Pacers are lacking without him. So let's talk about Brissett, his standing in the Pacers rebuild, and why I think he's a little more important than people give him credit for. But first, let's talk about the good folks over at Rock Auto who are bringing you this episode because they know that there's a ton of makes and models out there, and it is really hard for your local parts to stock the parts your vehicle needs, especially in these times where you need your vehicle to potentially get around tougher driving conditions in the indie snow. You need to have all the parts and the best parts for your vehicle at all times. you got to go to the local auto parts store and deal with the questioning from the guy behind the counter of what the exact make and model of your car is. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes they don't have what you need. You don't have to deal with all that. You can get to rockauto.com on your phone or at your computer at home instead of having to drive somewhere and have all that right in your pocket. You can save time and money with Rock Auto. They have the best prices out there. Of course, you can save time by not having to travel to the store. And they are a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over two decades with reliably low prices for every customer and every part you could need for your vehicle. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on. And there, how did you hear about us, Box? They know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Thank you again for making Locked On Pacers your first listen every single day. Locked On Trade Deadline show coming up on Trade Deadline Day. If the Pacers make any trades, I'll be there to break them all down in real time. You won't want to miss it. John Corrales hosted our draft show in a similar way. It's going to be extremely cool. I highly recommend you be there. Let's talk about O'Shea Brissett. I haven't talked about O'Shea Brissett in a long time, but I did talk about him a lot in the offseason because I penciled him into the Pacers rotation as a lock because I think he's good and he's young. And that's the kind of guy the Pacers in their situation should be really interested in. And then Rick Carlisle didn't play him. And then Rick Carlisle was like, oops, I messed up. I should have been playing him every game. That was the first learning experience for the Pacers with O'Shea Brissett. And the next one needs to be making him a little more key part of a rebuild. I'm not saying he should start instead of Torrey Craig, but I think O'Shea Brissett should play more minutes than Torrey Craig. Let's talk about O'Shea Brissett and his standing in the Pacers rebuild. Look, sort the Pacers roster by age, youngest to oldest. Isaiah Jackson, super young. Uh, he is determined in this last week that he is probably meriting of a bigger role and some playing time every game to get his development going. Then you have the two A guys, Terry Taylor and Dwayne Washington, who both have impressed recently and you know may have a future in the NBA. Who knows? And then you have Goga, who I have also been calling to play every game. And then O'Shea. So of the non-two-way contract players on the Pacers, O'Shea is the third youngest. He was born in 1998. He's only 23. There are seniors in the upcoming NBA draft who will be born in the same year as O'Shea Brissett, right? He is still really young in his NBA career. He still only played after – he didn't even play in this game. He's played 80 games in his NBA career, not even a full season's worth of games for O'Shea Brissett. And yet he, you know, and rightfully – I get why people think this way. He only plays 19 minutes a game, but I think he's kind of glossed over when people say, oh, yeah, they're – you know, and I do this too. They're the first-round picks of the biggest names. But I was like, yeah, Duarte and Jackson – you know, are the guys you're thinking of building around. If you're the Pacers, you know, fit Goga in that equation. He, he's young and good. But Brissett is basically only one year older than Goga and, quite frankly, better than, than Goga Batadze right now. And it's just clearly a valuable player that, to me, I think, if you're the Pacers, you have a 23-year-old on your team right now who 
can play the four, and that sounds like nothing. There's a lot of fours out there, but the Pacers really struggled to get a guy with his skill set at that position for years. If they had O'Shea Brissett at his current skill level on the 2017-18 team, they probably could have beaten the Cavs. I mean, they had no stretch for anything on those teams that could even play off the bench at all. They, they got Trevor Booker on the buyout market to try to get any semblance of that role, and it did not work at all, right? That was a role they really struggled to get. They didn't have it at all on the team that got swept by Miami when Vic returned in the bubble season, right? It's hard to get the right ones, and he can fit the role of 3 and D at that spot. He's got a little more shake and bake in his game now that he's worked on his off-the-dribble game. You know, he just has value at that position, which is is sometimes hard to find. He's only 23 again. I think that's important to point out, and he makes the Pacers better, quite frankly. Same deal with the on-offs as Duarte, where they jump up substantially on defense when he's in the game, right? He just, because, you know, he's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, whatever, he moves really well. He's a very valuable defender. O'Shea can kind of semblance play the five sometimes, but at the four specifically, He's a very good defender because he can switch. Carlisle doesn't switch all the time, but switches enough that it's a valuable idea for this team, right? He is just an impressive defender, and I think that that alone makes him valuable for a Pacers retool, rebuild, whatever. But the fact that he also can be a good shooter. Last year, he was much better from three at 42%. This year, down to 33%. The whole NBA is down this year. I have no idea how much to make of that. I think he'll settle in at about a 36-37% shooter, which is still a re- – he's 36 for his career. That's a pretty reliable deep threat. He's turning into Doug McDermott a little bit with some absurd home road three-point shooting splits. You know, this year at home, O'Shea Brissett, 36% from deep on the road, 268 37% at home, excuse me. You know, that, that's a 10% difference. That's McDermott-esque. But anyway, those kind of skills – an offensive guy with a little bit of off-the-bounce game, a little bit of shooting, and a really good defender from a 23-year-old who's only played 80 games. I just think that's something you explore more. His contract is still very good. He's super cheap, and the Patriots can either make him restricted this offseason or pick up his team option and have him for cheap next year. Both of those options have some advantages. I think making him a restricted free agent makes more sense, and perhaps maybe not the most damning stat to, to describe his impact but in 14 games where he has a positive plus minus this year and the first thing that i think you should think is why is it only 14 games that perhaps says you know he's not having a huge impact you know in 40 games he has 26 in the negatives and 14s in the positives yes that is a little bit concerning the pacers bench in general not very good this year his one game at a neutral so it's really 15 and 25 so perhaps you could say yikes he has a lot of games where he can't be in the positives in the plus minus and single game plus minus can be finicky i think he plays with a crappy bench that Really struggled for a lot of the season, especially pre-Lance and Kiefer Sykes and those Brad Wanamaker-led bench units, and they've had a lot of guys in and out all season. Anyway, in those 14 games where his plus-minus is positive, the Pacers have a winning record. In games where O'Shea Brissett is plus-7 or better, the Pacers are 8-1, and one, with their only loss being the Hornets game where the starters played horrible, they got completely benched, and then O'Shea Brissett-led second unit alongside also Jeremy Lamb and Wanamaker having huge games, caught it back to three, right? That game was so weird. So when he is fit in a group where he can have a positive impact and the Pacers can roll with the lineup he's in, the Pacers win the game, or they they play very well. And perhaps that those numbers say, because he has more games than he did the positive, it's a little harder to find lineups he fits in. Sure, I'm receptive to that. I don't want to say that, that a small sample of positive plus minus games means this guy's awesome and belongs in a rebuild, but 
the fact that he can contribute so meaningfully to winning when he's at his best or playing with lineups that make sense. The defense is better when he's in the game. He's only 23. He plays a tough position. and He's got skills that fit with any group. It's a long-winded way of me saying, I think O'Shea said has glossed over too much when Pacers rebuilds are talked about. Perhaps he's just a, a bit player for the next three or four seasons on this team, but he will only be 27 in four years from now. I mean, that, that could still be a guy who's not quite in his prime yet. For a team ready to change directions, that's a guy you can fit in on any iteration of your next team. So maybe he's not the most valuable guy you have on your team. Maybe he's not a guy with a ton of huge asset value return in a trade. Maybe he's not even a starter long-term on your roster. But O'Shea Brissett could be a Pacers rotation player for like a while going forward. And I think that is a glossed-over fact when people talk about what the next iteration of the Pacers would be and how this team should strategize trades. And I really wanted to talk about it because it's not un, you know, especially if Justin Holiday and or Torrey Craig get traded in the next seven days, it's it, it's completely reasonable to me that O'Shea Brissett becomes a a bigger a guy with a bigger role this year, and B maybe even a starter, depending on what other bigs get moved or how else the Pacers reshape their roster. Stop forgetting about O'Shea Brissett when thinking about the future of this Pacers team. Perhaps he could be something interesting. I hope that all makes sense and I'm just not blowing smoke or anything like that. I thought the numbers were interesting, and I think O'Shea Brissett's a talented player, and I have dating back to last season. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. For those of you still listening tomorrow, of course, talking about Lance, whatever his new deal shakes out to be, if I can get the details on that. I'm sure the Pacers will announce something because Lance is technically, it's 12.08 a.m. right now on February 3rd as I'm talking. That means Lance is a free agent right now, so technically they have to announce something if he's going to be on the team and be at practice tomorrow. Talk about all that on tomorrow's show, and maybe we'll talk a little about the Bulls, the Pacers' next opponent, uh, and what Lance's deal means for other players on the team and their plans for the trade deadline. Shaking up their roster and their salary structure certainly matters for all that stuff. That'll be a fun show. Stay tuned for that. Thank you guys a ton for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's show, and we see you tomorrow.